Well, welcome uh, to another podcast. It's been a, a little bit since we've done one, and uh, we've been uh, took December off and a lot of things going on, and good to, to be with you again as we're working through the Better Together series. Uh, we, we, we're changing things up just a little bit in that um, I'm not preaching the same passage that kids are using right now. Uh, we, we may go back to that at some point, may do that from, from time to time, but we're doing some uh, standalone series, um, series that stand apart from the, the kids uh, department. And so in, in, on Sunday mornings, you'll see we'll have a next-gen moment that will be related to what's being taught in our students' section, either our kids or our teens, uh, and, um, and not necessarily connected to the, the sermon. But our podcast will be focused mainly on the sermon. And, and one thing we, we want to see happen is that as we, we talk about the sermon, uh, in our podcast, we make some particular application as to how that affects our families as we think about uh, better together, finding identity and community. How does that, how does that uh, relate to our, our, our families and our kids and, and how do we teach those values? And, and I think as we talk about Sabbath <laughs> this week, mm-hmm. uh, there'll be some important things that we'll talk about in next week's podcast and probably in the, in the sermon as well. But uh, as we went through this, we, we, the series is Better, better Together, Finding Identity and Community. We've been talking about this series as a staff uh, for some time. Why, why do you think this ideal of together, of connecting, of community is, is important to cover? <laughs> Where to begin? <laughs> yeah, that's a loaded question, and um, I mean it's it's central, right? Like, um, and and this is this is where we're going. But this is this is the way God created was was for and in community. Um, so it's almost like it's the starting point <laughs> of everything that we do. Yeah, you kind of think about ten months ago when um, when everything's shutting down, everything's getting canceled, everything's closing down. To some, that was maybe just like a little bit of a sigh of relief, like the busyness, all of the stress kind of melted away in those things of like maybe being overcommitted. But it didn't take very long before we started to talk about, well, I, I just, I miss my friends. I miss doing this. I miss being with people. And it wasn't so much the events and the activities that you missed. It was it was the relationships in the community. And I feel like a lot of those have, have come back now. Like a lot of kids are at least getting to be in school part-time. And sometimes I worry, like as our some of our church community things are the last to come back, that that people are kind of filling up their lives in those communities. And I think it's really important to talk about the importance of our church community as well. That's good. Yeah, I, I have a lot of fears as we, we come out of the, the COVID nineteen, as to the emotional and I believe physical uh, effect that this quarantine time of separation will have. Um, you know, I, I think I think. We were all a little bit like, oh, well, you know, there's a little bit of, we can take a step. Yeah. We don't have as many things we have to do. Uh, but I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not an extrovert by any stretch of the imagination. I don't really, you know, I, I think an extrovert would be somebody that, that gets their energy from people. I need time alone to get my energy. Uh, but, but even in, in my personality, I'm starting to have the effects of being separate from people uh, too, too, too long. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to to long for uh, greater connection with people. Even though we've been having uh, Sunday morning services, you know, I, I miss, uh, you know, the Wednesday night Bible study, the, the connection he had there. I, I miss doing the, the visitation, going to hospitals, doing those yeah. kind of things. Sure. And so I think that we're, we're gonna see some, res- some bad uh, effects of this um, in the next year, that as a church, we need to be 
are ready for, um, yeah. I think, for our kids. Uh, what, what do you think, how has this affected our, our teams and our, our kids? Yeah, I mean, well, for me, I just, so last week we had to, I guess it was two Sundays ago, we had to, we had to move to virtual youth group again. Um, and, and so as I was getting ready for that, it was just like, man, I just, I miss hanging out with my teens, you know, like I, it, you know, we've, we've gathered on Sunday nights, but it's, it's me teaching, uh, them listening. And, and so it's not, it's much like a Sunday morning. That's not where community is built, uh, is, is when I'm, when I'm teaching and they're just listening, uh, the, the community is built in those little goofy, seemingly goofy events that we do. Sure. Um, and, but it's times where, where I can hang out with them. And so I miss that, uh, with them. Um, but but yeah, and I and I've talked to to my teens, and it's you know, they miss getting to do things. They're, they're you know missing prom, missing homecoming, missing just hanging out with their friends. Sports seasons kind of cut short, so it's like it's almost like they're getting glimpses of those of those things, but they can't go all in, and so um, so that's certainly difficult. The other thing, and I don't know if this is a good it, throughout this time, and and I've thought about this just maybe more recently, like this has also kind of f- helped us to get a sense because we're not the first ones who have um, not been able to gather with their church community. Like I think of uh, of our elderly people who have become shut in and they can't gather. And so like this isn't something new. It's, it's much more mm-hmm. widespread. Um, and so just maybe a a bigger appreciation of what someone else may go through who all of a sudden can't be a part of their community. And, and that's, that's made me think of, made me extremely appreciative of technology where we're able to do uh, different things where, where someone who, who can't gather for whatever reason, like what are we doing to, to kind of facilitate in some way, some sort of community. And it's not that that's necessarily ideal, but there are, circumstances where that's that is the only I I feel like I'm rambling there but it's just something that in this it's made me kind of catch a a different glimpse uh, of of what someone else may that goes through on a regular basis it's not just COVID that has has caused that and it's important to note and and Mara I want to hear your thoughts on the kids as well when you're talking about the people that that have to isolate for age or for whatever reason what I found as a pastor is oftentimes you'll have somebody that will drop from the life of the church, their families will be connected, all be connected, and then when it comes time for funeral, the rest of the church is yep. disconnected. Right. I mean, it just happens. Yeah. And, you know, I, I sure. think as a church, um, we probably, all churches, not just our church, but I think we could do a better job mm-hmm. of making sure that just because someone no longer can be here, yeah. they don't drop from the life of the church. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and so so that's we've been forced to do that for the mm-hmm. entire church for, for a really long time to, to make sure even if you can't be here physically, you're still going to be a part of our community. And so it's made me think, yeah, what can we do and just across the board? even post COVID are there, what can we do to make sure that, because the truth is there's always going to be people who can't gather with us physically that are still a part of our church. Yeah, that's good. What do you see with the kids, Mara? So, yeah, I mean with the kids and I think that there's so much conversation going on right now about 
about our kids and mental health and just like the level of anxiety that was already so present in in our kids and that this just kind of adds another layer to it you have kids that desperately just want to be together but all of a sudden this has introduced this other level of almost an anxiety about being around people is this safe is this okay is it like even I notice sometimes on Sunday mornings I'm looking through the songs that I want to do with them and never before have I had to go okay wait is this going to be a song that once they get really into it they're going to have a hard time maintaining that 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 social distance that we are we're we've implemented and those things where I'm like I feel like I'm actively working against and like planning against our kids natural tendencies and so like that's hard for me but I know that that's probably even harder for them to understand well like why I just want to go over and hug my friends I that is just how I show them my love and to try to make that translate into a wave across the room like no like they've got all of this pent-up affection for each other but yet we're we've almost conditioned them throughout all this that people maybe aren't as safe as you feel that they are and I, I'm to be honest I'm just really struggling with that because I, I see what it's doing to their psyche and that just breaks my heart yeah and I think you're seeing that in, in our Sunday morning gatherings as well even though we're gathering we're not yeah. I mean we're, we're, there there is a limited amount of gathering uh, but definitely this I you know the, to be able to come to the to the well and, and have some coffee and talk with friends and give somebody a hug and yeah. you know to shake you know just this whole can personal connection uh, you know I'm, and I'm hoping that we, we move past this here in the next few months um, you know we, I, I know when we closed down in in March I thought, well, we'll be gathering by Easter, <laughs> and, and here it is, January, and we're still limited in our gathering. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, the main theme, and, and so this is why we believe as a staff, it's important that we emphasize this. And, and I thought about the timing of this. You know, when, when do you present a sermon like this? Do you, do you do this series when everybody's back? Um, and, and I think it, it, it's helpful to do this series now for a number of reasons. Number one. Um, maybe you're watching this podcast, maybe you're watching home and you're figuring, okay, what, when, when I feel safe, how important is it for me to be, be back? And, and so, you know, it's, it's, I think it's an encouragement for us if we can, when we can, that we gather. It's not in will I gather, but when will I gather? Uh, and, and I think the other thing is that it, this will be out there, that, that as we, we look um, to the future, this will be these conversations on the podcast and the sermons will be part of our um, our, our our collected videos that we can look back at and say, hey, here, here's one of the reasons we believe that gathering is important. And so the main, main theme of the series is God calls us to an ever-expanding, ever-deepening community. And uh, this, this is space for others, and this is growing relationships, ultimately these intimate connections. And, uh, you know, God, God uh, when he creates humankind in his image, God, um, God invites us to partnership and community, not just to be subjected to him and not just to worship him. I, I think it should shift how we, we view our relationship with God. God's inviting us to community. And, and, and then he's calling us to this ever deepening, this, and, and we, you know, I, I hate to use the word because I know it's an intimidating word, this intimate relationship. And so there's been two significant verses that we've used thus far. And so, Mara, would you read Genesis 1, 26 through 28? Sure. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. 
So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Let's talk about that being created in the image of God. What do you, what do you guys think that means? We've, we've talked about it a little bit on Sunday mornings, but how have you always understood that? I think, for me, it's like I, I come back to the idea that God is love. And so, like, if so, if we're created in the image of God, that means that we were created for love. We were created, and, and part of love is relationship, right? Uh, All of love. Yeah. That, as I said that, I was like, maybe it's not part. It, yeah, it, that's mm-hmm. that's what love is. It it, it is relationship. You can love so. the Buckeyes, but they're going to break your heart. <laughs> Let's be honest, though. We knew that that, that was, was a better <laughs> We knew that that was, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> to get there was, yeah. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? God, love. God, love, yeah. Um, yeah, so just... To be created in the image of God is to be created for love, for relationship. Yeah, I always kind of think of the contrast between, okay, looking at the habits or instincts or things that animals have and do and that are, that are God-given, and then that God separately said, like, okay, well, but mankind is in my image. And so, like, what are the things that, that separate us and that um, elevate us or what, whatever word you want to use from animals? Because animals have affection for each other. Sure. They, they seek yeah. companionship. They like community. But it's like they do not have that deep soul-like search and that connection to to be deeply connected to something else, to something bigger. And so, like, I feel like for me, when I think about the image of God, it's that capacity and that desire to be fully, fully known and fully like enmeshed with with other people to to have that deep soul connection. As you're talking about animals and stuff and. You know, it, for whatever reason, it came to my mind. And like, I, who, who wrote the Call of the Wild? I can't remember who wrote that, oh, but but that he like has Jack an, something. He has another book where he's talking about a, a, a man that gets separated with his dog, mm. which is he's close <laughs> to the dog. You know, it's his pet, his dog, his companion, and he's freezing to death. And uh, you know, it's a terrible story. He's trying to kill this dog mm-hmm. so he can mm-hmm. warm himself up, and the, you know, the dog basically attacks it, him to protect itself. Yeah. And I think about us with like our kids those people we're intimately connected to that we're willing to give of ourselves yeah. for them no animal will do that or most animals yeah. will do. i mean yes have animals that do some heroic things mm-hmm. but in human humankind there's this instinct towards the ones we're intimate with uh, i think i talked about it sunday that that we wish we could walk in their shoes so they wouldn't huh. experience that yeah. Yeah. And, and i think that's a to be a creating god's image and you see that in yeah. god so it's almost yeah it's almost a capacity for empathy, yeah. right? Yeah, that's good. Um, and, and so when we, then to flip that on its head, when we are, when we're lack, I don't know if we're, I say we're lacking, but when we're choosing to not be empathetic, then we're kind of denying that image of, I mean, that's, empathy is like, that's the core of God, right? To leave heaven, to step onto earth mm-hmm. as Jesus, like, that is that's empathy embodied, right? Like that's the perfect picture of of empathy. And so when we choose to not be empathetic, then we are kind of denying the the uh, the image of God in our lives. Yeah. Well, I think the opposite, the antonym of uh, empathy is selfishness, uh, self-absorbed. Yeah. yeah. That, that all we care about is ourselves, and I and I think that's 
that that's probably the a pretty good definition of sin uh, mm-hmm. is is uh, just uh, self on the throne. Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. What else do you see in the pack passage? I struggle with the uh, subdue the earth, and I, and I think that the way we've subdued the earth has not been has not been healthy. I, and I said this two weeks ago, and I, I really believe it, or really mean it, the older I get, the greener I get. Uh, the, the older I get, the more I see how God loves creation, yeah. uh, the more I think we're called to care for creation. We're not called to abuse creation just for our own use. We're yeah. called to care for creation. And I think that's the charge that's given to Adam. Not, not simply, hey, Adam, I want you to misuse the animals. I want you to misuse creation. But, but I want you to, to continue to, to be a steward of creation towards its, its perfect created form. Yeah. Yeah, this, this, I mean, this passage and then going forward to Genesis 2, what we'll look at, like, it kind of defines what it looks like to live in relationship, to live in relationship with God, to live in relationship with creation, mm-hmm. um, and then later we'll see to live in um, relationship with other people. But, but yeah, that's, that's, that's something that we, we maybe we don't emphasize very much. We, you know, we, we talk about what, it, what does it look like to live in relation with God. We talk about... What does it look like to live in relationship with, with other people? But pretty clearly lays out what it looks like to, to be in relationship with, with creation yeah. and what that looks like. Yeah, and I mean, I know this is all like pre-fall. And so you sit there and go, okay, well, did plants even grow differently? But like there is a level of like husbandry that's involved in caring for animals in yeah, that they do sure. need, they need structure. They need penning and they need protection. They need you to th- you to think ahead for their needs, and even that is the same way with gardening or growing things. Anim- um, plants need pruned, they need trained, they need to be um, taken care of, and so like there is that idea of an outside force acting on this for its own good to bring about more harvest, more um, productivity, and so like. But you can also abuse that when you're in any situation of authority, you can take that and, and abuse it but that there is that need to interact with our environment. That's good. Now, in this sermon, we, I, I focused on the invitation to partnership mm-hmm. and not being subjected to God simply. Um, to, to me, this is significant because it radically changes our concept of worship. Yeah. Um, wor- worship is not shock and awe. Worship is not a needy teenage girl God or teenage boy God that just needs somebody to tell him how great it is. But worship is a response to God where we work in partnership with him. And so that's why in, in the Old Testament, you know, God would say, what's all this sacrifices you're giving me? I don't, I don't care about that. What yeah. I want you to do is partner with me. And yeah. I, I want justice to roll. I want you to pursue kindness. I want you to do those things. Um, and so I think this... When we see it, uh, the invitation to be created in the image of God is a, an invitation to be created in partnership. I think it radically uh, alters the ideal of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, any thoughts on that? Yep. No, I, I love that you put in here the the responding. Obviously, I <laughs> I think highly of <laughs> responding like that because yeah. <laughs> that is the name of our student ministry, and that comes from Dr. Sanders from Mount Vernon. Uh, his his definition of worship was a trusting, obedient response to the word of God, um, and 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 so it, I, I just but it was it was always this picture of of God speaks, we respond. God speaks, we respond. God invites, we respond. And so it's always this this joining into a partnership with God. It's not this 
authority figure who's moving us around like pawns, right? Like it's inviting us to uh, to, to join his work. And, and when we do that, it's worship. When we respond in a way that's not obedient, well, that's not worship. <laughs> right, which I think is a further example of and picture of our of the image of God in us. When we think about our God in, in existing in the Trinity and the fact that there is that relationship and there's that mutual submission and like the best examples can never really encompass even what that all means. But this idea that as we are invited into that same kind of a of a partnership where one part doesn't elevate itself above another and it all exists in in community Mm -hmm. like there's a choice there like i'm choosing to worship i'm choosing to be obedient and like we see that kind of worship in the way jesus led his life it was a trusting obedience it was always following and being submissive to the spirit right and i think that that's what worship can look like in our lives that's good josh why don't you go ahead and read genesis 2 18 through 24. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name uh, to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, in this passage, we have Adam has a sacred vocation Uh, uh, this is not busy work this is highly significant this naming of the animals uh, it's a sacred holy mission Uh, he's got companionship you know i think about that you know you know we've got this dog and he's there's he's a companion i mean he'll he'll sit right by my feet you know lay his head on my lap Uh, he's a companion Um, he's perfectly created and so we, we see that purpose cannot replace intimacy, companionship cannot replace intimacy. And just because we need intimacy, that is not because we're, that's not a, a, a felling, it's how we're created. Yeah. Um, so we need intimacy. How easily yeah. do you guys, go Can I just jump, it's just, you, so he's, he had purpose, he had companionship, he was perfectly created, but he was also in perfect union with God. And like, that is mind blowing to me that, cause we think of like our ultimate goal is like to be in right relationship with God. And Adam was that, like he had that and it still wasn't complete. Right. Um, and so I just think of, um, the, the temptation to think of, well, me and God, it's just me and God, right? Like me and God are good. And, and as long as my relationship with God is is good then 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 nothing else matters like adam had that Mm -hmm. perfect relationship and it still wasn't complete until it included other other people and and when you when you stretch that it's the creation of the other that leads to the fall so there is the vulnerability Mm -hmm. with the need yeah and it's in that relationship that you find the fall Mm -hmm. 
And, and I think when we start talking about vulnerability, there, there is, as we extend intimacy, as we extend relationship, there is a vulnerability sure. that that could create issues. Because if it's just you, guess what? You don't have to forgive. <laughs> That's right. But when you, when you become part of a church and you have these deep relationships and somebody fails you, there is the possibility of, um, of sin in your life and not being willing to forgive so you yeah. make you know god makes himself vulnerable in creation which is a, yeah. astounding to me yeah. because god he makes himself vulnerable sure. and as adam um, is as man and woman is created there's that vulnerability and it's the direct result is a fall yeah yeah and then uh, you, you know what jesus ends up doing so yes it almost feels like so adam's in this he has this perfect relationship he's this unbroken union with god but he has almost like no way to express that until he can have that relationship mm. with another person. And I, I've never really thought about the whole, like, yeah, all the things that transpire that kind of led towards the fall. It's like, well, all of a sudden now he has this other person. And both of them for a season have an unbroken relationship with God. They have an unbroken relationship with each other. But at some point I feel like they almost started to turn inward towards each other. Like, okay, this is a relationship. This is the one I need to count on. And that's that started to lead towards this idea of, well, if it's just us, then we, we, we need to know the difference between good and evil. We need to make sure that we can take care of ourselves. And like, I feel like there was a, a turning inward on each other mm-hmm. and which ultimately led to breaking the relationship mm. b- between them and God. That's good. That's and good. so I think that there's a, maybe a caution that, in that too, that we can be so vulnerable, be so open with somebody else, but all of a sudden, if we close ourselves off with that person and we aren't vulnerable with that person, in light of the gospel, in light of this relationship with God, that there's a, a temptation to lead astray there. Mm-hmm. That's good. And yeah, it's it's the image that you've always, you know, I, I think I've used this in marriage counseling from time to time. This ideal is you draw closer to God, mm-hmm. you draw closer to each other, yeah. that there's that mutual yeah. mutual mutuality mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of the like a pyramid. Sure. And um, but when you're going like this. Mm-hmm. You're, you're moving away from God, moving to your own purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How easily do you guys connect with others? You guys, you easy connectors? I would say that I used to easy, e- <laughs> I used to more easily than I do now. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like as I've gotten older to where I'm at now, it's not as easy uh, as it once was. And, and I think that, I don't know, lots of reasons. One simply being, as you get older, you, you're you not, I mean, you know, I used to live with six guys in college, mm-hmm. and, like, that bond was just, was incredible. And, and so then, but then you move, you know, you move on and you get married and you have kids and you just, you don't, you don't live with a group of friends anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. so uh, um, and you don't yeah, want them just, to live with you. No, no, definitely <laughs> no, that's not. That's great, no. but I don't want to yeah, make yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, I wanted that for for a while. I'm not looking for the acapella yeah, group to join me. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so yeah. No, and I would say I I feel like I am definitely like a connector when I look at like my strength finders in my top five. Like um, includer is definitely one of those. So I feel like that's just part of how I'm wired. But I am learning as I get older that. That isn't how everyone is wired. And that's just one expression of, of the image of God in, in me, but that's not gonna be the same for everybody else. And so learning how to how to spot other connectors 
and know that those are going to be my team if I, if I see people that need connectors, but also spotting people that that is not their strength and still figuring out how to connect them anyway. I feel like that's maybe a, a, a skill or a thing that I feel like God's really honing in me right now. It's just this idea, like, it's okay that everybody doesn't want to be with everybody all the time like you do, but <laughs> you can still serve and lead and, and pull them towards that at what feels comfortable for them. Right. <laughs> they, don't need to, they don't need to be feet first and all in with you at the beginning. That's good. Now, I'm not. I mean, I always jealous of those pastors that, you know, you see them at funerals and everybody who's their best friend when, you know, I'm, I, I always relate to, you ever see Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> where where um, whatever the guy's name is is standing at the 7-Eleven and he walks up to the guy and goes, big gulp. <laughs> nice talk. That, that's how I feel lots of times. Uh, um, I, I don't easily connect. And, you know, it's, it's, I have to work at it and I have to find connectors. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's very easy for me particularly if I'm in a group to kind of observe yeah. and, uh, and, and I, I go back and forth. I'm created how I'm created. Uh, but, but I still believe that God calls us to, to greater connection with other people. And yeah. so that's something I'm always working yeah. at. Well, I think it, I mean, it, it, it looks different and like you can have smaller intimate connections where you don't have to be the, the loud center of attention and um, yeah so uh, I think I think this looks differently with different personalities yeah and I feel like and there's with every gift and thing like there's almost like a shadow side to it because the the shadow side to being a connector be honest is that it's really easy to make lots of really shallow yeah. mm, connections right. Right. and so right. if I know myself and know that I'm constantly going to be drawn to making those new connections the best thing I can do sometimes for that new connection though is to connect them to somebody who's not always trying to make new connections but will connect yeah. deeper mm. with them yeah. and so I joke sometimes it's like speed dating almost like you meet somebody <laughs> and you're like okay I start trying to pair them up like who who who's a good fit who's a good connection we had a couple here that I feel like a few of us basically set them up with the same other couple three or four times and they decided said, well, I guess you guys have decided we're going to be friends and we'll, we'll just do that. That's fine. But so I feel like there's, there's recognizing that, yeah, just because you're willing and making all these new connections, that isn't always the same thing as making those lasting, that's deep true. relationships true. where, where the transformation really is happening. That's right. So don't, don't judge somebody else yeah. and say their gift. Oh, I wish <laughs> I was like that. Notice that there's yeah. a shadow side to that. Yeah. For sure. And I, and I think that's a good segue 100%. because what we're talking about is not just how many people's names you can get in yeah, your, right. in your um, right. uh, Blackberry. Palm Pilot. But the call is to a deep connection. Mm-hmm. And, and um, uh, what are barriers to the deep connection? Uh, I mean, we're going to talk about what are some barriers to deep connection? Well, like with, so intimacy. I think personality is, is, is one of them, like we just talked about. Uh, yeah, but I think just the vulnerability aspect of it, um, whether that's just a, a fear, but let's be honest, a lot of times it's because of a prior hurt in, in being vulnerable. Uh, and so, yeah. I think there's a time component. I feel like we, we definitely have almost that, that scarcity mentality that well, I don't have enough time for the things that I need to do or I don't, I don't feel like I'm doing everything I need to do for my family. I, I don't know that I can commit to starting and, and building and working on a relationship with somebody else right now because I need my time for X, Y, or Z. Right, yeah. 
We're going to talk about time this week, and then we're going to talk about vulnerability at least the next week, and, and we may be dealing with the practices of Bible study and worship and prayer as yeah. vulnerability tools yeah. um, in, in the coming weeks. So yeah. I think time and vulnerability are the important ones. I, I, I talked about, and, and I, I really, I've not heard anybody else talk about this. I'm, I'm sure other people have. But this whole concept that almost every church thinks it's friendly. Yeah. And the reason every church thinks it's friendly is if people connect, they stay, and they tell you you're friendly. Was that confirmation bias? Is that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but if they don't connect, they don't stay, and you usually don't hear over and over, you're not friendly. You're not friendly. They're telling and other churches you're not friendly. They're telling other churches. Right. And you may hear it through the grapevine, <laughs> right. yeah. and, and you, but you'll be continually bombarded by the people that have stayed mm -hmm. that have made the connection. And, and, and I differentiated the, the difference between easy, natural connections, which are possible and present in every church, and providential connections, that God has brought somebody into the body that um, he intends to do something, God intends to do something in their life through this body, and something in the body through that person. I mean, it's two ways. Yeah. Uh, how, what are some things we can do as a church to make sure our connections and friendliness extends past the easy? And maybe it's what we need to do as well, just not just a church. I feel like realistically that's getting at some some deep-seated things that have been almost entrenched in us, this, this idea of, of individuality and that I should get to spend my time doing what I want to do. It should be fun for me. I should enjoy every minute of my life, all of these things. And there are relationships that, let's just be honest, you're not gonna enjoy every minute of it. Like relationships are hard. You think about a marriage, it's hard. I don't sit there every day. I will just admit this to everybody, like every day of my life, it's not like, oh, being married is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I just can't imagine my life being it. Like, you should go to the marriage collective. I know, now, right? Right, that's yeah, how no. I feel. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you feel, Gabe. So I will, I will take some notes. Just but just that relationships are hard, things that are worth doing are hard and make us uncomfortable. And I think that that flies in the face of a lot of what our culture is saying to us. If it's, if it's uncomfortable to you, just don't worry about it. Just do something else. You don't need that in your life. You don't need that stress. You don't need that negativity. Um, and for me, sometimes I, I feel like we're missing a chance. When we talk about like how we're supposed to be the image, reflecting the image of God, and we're also supposed to see the image of God reflecting in others. And so when we recognize our need for connection, I think we need to recognize that everybody that we encounter has a need for connection. That's good. And that if they've had trouble connecting with other people in the past, chances are they, they probably know that maybe they've had trouble connecting in the past. Like it's not gonna be a, oh, you're the first person they didn't get along with. And I think that there's a compassion that comes with that to say, well, I'm not gonna be another person on your list of people that you didn't get along with or that didn't treat you with the kindness that you that you deserve because you are another image bearer. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm that all together, but I just feel like there's a, a sense to which people that are hard to get along with, well, they need somebody to fight really hard to get along with them then. Yeah, and, and I think, and Josh, I want to hear what you have to say on this too, but I, I think it's, you, you talked about marriage at the beginning, <laughs> that, you know, in a marriage you're committed and, yeah. you, and you work through these things. And I think it's how we view the church. We, we view the church as something we do that we want to do we like the church we like this church we like what it does and and the commitment is based on what's in it for me mm -hmm. well if we view the church as okay i'm committed to the church 
and, and, and this, is, this is hard stuff. I'm committed to this body because I believe God's put me in this body, and that means I'm willing to do some hard things because it's worth it. And, and I think it, to a certain degree, our willingness to, to go beyond the easy reflects sometimes um, not our commitment to the church, how we view that yeah. commitment. I was, I was thinking maybe, maybe an opposite viewpoint there maybe not um i think sometimes though it's it's not that man i don't even know how to, <laughs> how i want to say um it's easy to say like we're just avoiding the difficult and, and the truth is though i think that there are people who are lacking intimate relationships and that is devastating to them like that's actually what's uncomfortable yeah. but whatever the circumstances are maybe it's staging i'll just be up front right now with four little kids uh in the midst of covid like finding community and being a part of community is extremely difficult mm-hmm. and uh and so so but but lacking that intimacy is like it sucks <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. um and so it's not that we're like what what I'm doing is actually not comfortable, um, but like figuring out ways to overcome that is just I don't know what I'm what I'm yeah. so like I I don't want to paint this broad stroke of like if you're not if you're not doing this it's because that's it's easier does that make sense No, and I'm so glad you said because there are definitely people in our church that are craving and desperate for those deep friendships yeah. and sit there and wonder what's wrong with me? Why don't I have that here? Mm. Like, so I just, I need like, yeah. the, we need to be aware that there are people in yeah. our church that feel that way. They see it happening for other people and they don't understand why is that not happening for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not, that's not good. But, but on the other side of that is I, I do believe that we're created with this, that part of what God does to move us forward is there's a desire for more. There's so, so, you know, it, I don't think we're ever created where, well, that's enough friends. That's enough intimacy for me. I'm done. If, if that's our viewpoint, then, then I think we're missing the opportunity, particularly for those providential relationships for God to not only build um, into us through somebody else, but for us to build into somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, Other thoughts on these scriptures or this series? We're going to talk about applying it to our students and families. Um, but any other thoughts before we move into that? No, mm-hmm. I don't think so. What about, what would you want to say to families of uh, teenagers, families of, of kids? Uh, what do you want them to hear in this series? Maybe hear about these passages. Yeah, I mean, I just think that... Um, it's so important as parents that we are modeling creating this community and embracing it and involving ourselves and investing all of these things that like this idea of community that we recognize that it's essential and that we are careful in the way that we're making it in the community that we are investing our lives in. Um, We talked earlier about how like our kids habits will always be a little less than ours. So if we are semi-intentional, our kids are going to be way less intentional in that. So almost like if you feel like you're overdoing it with the way that you are modeling for your kids this idea of friendships are not always easy. They are so worth it though. I, I don't want to lose a friend over a disagreement. When you watch your kids bicker and tell you that, well, that's not my best friend anymore. That's a great moment 
to at, at their level, wherever they are, but really to talk about this idea that we love people beyond whether they've hurt us or not. We love people and we want to keep that relationship because that person is somebody that we value. And so I think there's a lot of this idea of community building and that it is for the long run, it is for the long term. And we're careful when we hear our kids say things like, I don't want to be that person's friend anymore. I don't want to like, sometimes there are real reasons and there are deep hurts and things that need maybe even to be addressed parent to parent. But I think that those moments where our kids are very flippant with their emotions can put us in check. Are they hearing me say things like that? Are they hearing me go, Ugh, I can't stand that person? All of those things, I think that our, our habits are, are better taught than, or caught than taught. So as much as you're saying, your actions should go along with that. Mm, that's good, yeah. Um, I think, I think specific, maybe very specifically for, for my youth group, for my teens, um, is this idea of, um, this idea that, that you, I think it was the first week, an ever-expanding, ever-deepening community. The truth is when I, like, when I look at our group, like, we have, we have solid community pockets within our, within our group. Um, part of the problem with those intimate groups is the lack of the ability to include other people um and so just this this desire to to make our community this ever expanding and ever deepening um so so i guess i guess my my challenge man i don't even know <laughs> my challenge my my encouragement to to our teens uh to to our families is just what does it look like to always be looking out for someone else who needs to be included in community. Because um, again, like I see, I see significant community um, in our group, but, but the truth is, and, and truthfully, like within our entire church, we have, we have pretty solid families. And like that sure. is, that's awesome. And that is natural community and, and, and that's significant. But the, the problem is, is that not everyone has that and so what do we do to look out for those people who don't have that and how can we include them yeah. in what we're doing that's good always space the table there's yeah always space yeah, for the table. sure for sure and um if there's not then there's there's a problem yeah and uh, yeah. i'll say this just you guys maybe didn't say it but maybe you thought it it's essential that you get your kids in children's church and the gatherings there, it's essential that you encourage your teens. And I know they're busy. I've had teenage boys, and I understand how busy with sports and other things. Sunday night gatherings for the teens matter. You're establishing habits and connections yep. that will affect them the rest of their life. Sure. Getting your kids into children's church, it matters. We believe it's significant uh, that they're making connections with Mara and others that will impact their life. I can still remember, I'm, I'm now in my late 50s, I can still remember Sunday school teachers, I can still remember youth workers, uh, you know, as, as if it was yesterday. Uh, I can still remember the impact they, they made on my life. And so you have a limited time as a parent, just a few years. And, and I know how busy life can be, but can I just urge you, um, get your kids, encourage your kids uh, to make a commitment to those yeah. things because I think it's well worth it. Well, 
next week we're going to talk about time. <laughs> so we'll probably be saying some of the same things, but it's okay. Uh, Mara, why don't you pray us out? All right. Lord, thank you so much for, um, for today, for this conversation. Lord, I pray that it is, um, is fruitful, or we, we trust that your word does not, um, does not return void, but it accomplishes what you have purposed it to do. And Lord, I pray that these conversations we've, we've had, Lord, sometimes they're, they're hard, especially in this season. It's uncomfortable to think about, about our communities and sometimes how much we've lost and how much we desire and trying to find, uh, find the, the way to, to move forward in that. Um, but Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage, give us the boldness to pursue your heart for relationships in our church. Lord, you desire deep connections for us and with us. And Lord, we pray that you would just um, help us to pursue your heart on that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless.